0: Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. We wanted to share a bonus episode with you guys that was a fireside chat from a Strictly VC event in San Francisco that happened earlier this month. It was with Alex Blania, the CEO and co-founder of Tools for Humanity, which is the project behind WorldCoin. Alex and I talked about why the company thinks there's a need for its world ID, how the recent rise of AI is enhancing the demand for more digital identification and its plans to become cash flow positive. We also dove into other tools the company is working on, as well as its new model for its eye scanning orb that is coming out in the first half of this year that aims to be more friendly looking and similar to Apple products. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Connie, for that nice introduction. I am Jacqueline Melanick. I am a senior crypto reporter at TechCrunch. And as she mentioned, I am here with Alex Blania. He is the CEO and co-founder of Tools for Humanity, which is the team that created WorldCoin. As she mentioned, WorldCoin is a crypto project that Alex co-founded alongside OpenAI Sam Altman and Max Novenstern. And it gives world IDs to users by scanning human irises, and that gives you access to the project's application, and also a quote-unquote digital passport that you can use on sites like Reddit, Telegram, and so on. I'm sure we'll get into this. But to start, Alex, I feel like I kind of want to know, why did you even get involved with something like this that some people might have been like a little skeptical of, especially four years ago when you first got into it?
1: Yeah, so... Um Essentially, I was actually not at all in crypto. I wasn't even in tech. I was in theoretical physics. And so I was using pretty large neural networks to predict quantum systems back then in Caltech in Los Angeles. Sam and Max were already working on WorldCoin, actually. So I got an email about this new company, Sam's Sam's new company, WorldCoin, with a quick pitch, and it sounded straight out of a sci-fi movie.
0: I drove
1: from Los Angeles to San Francisco. I, I spoke with Max and Sam back then. And uh learned much more. And it's like it probably still sounds crazy to you today, but back then it sounded really, really crazy. Like just like it was four years ago. And uh just a simple proposition that AGI is going to happen and we will need proof of person on the internet, all of those things, like that back then sounded very, very crazy. And even though I, I back then I decided, all right, like I my default path was to get into either quantum computing or AI back then. So I thought, okay, the opportunity cost of trying this out is actually pretty low. And um, I remembered the, the, kind of these Paul Graham quotes that the best ideas sound somewhat ridiculous, but you can actually figure out a way to make them work. So I, I sat down for two weeks and really tried to kind of attack it from every angle and thought, well, like, it's pretty unlikely, probably less than 1% that we might succeed, but if it works it, it's going to change the world. So I joined Max and Sam on the journey Did most of the engineering and research in the first year and then became the CEO.
0: Quick uh, rise to the top. (laughs) Surely not everyone you spoke to early on was on board with WorldCoin. I know we've spoken before this and you mentioned that some investors kind of looked at it like it was crazy. You mentioned it felt like a sci-fi thing. How did you kind of handle the initial pushback? Because now you have all these big name investors, but it wasn't always like that.
1: Well... First of all, it obviously did help to have Sam. So actually Sam back then did the pitches in Series A. But even though, even with that, it was like people were mostly making fun of us, actually. Um, and it was, it was right after, it was a complete crypto bear market. No one was interested in crypto at all. And AI was not a thing. Open AI was not what it was today. So like all of those things together with a, with a pretty ambitious, large scale idea was, uh, was pretty hard to pitch. I think in the series A, we had probably north 50 conversations to get the round together. But then actually, Andreessen Horowitz led it, Chris Dixon from Andreessen Horowitz, which was awesome. And um, after that, it became easier and easier over time. So we raised three rounds in total 250 million. So series A was Andreessen Horowitz, series B was Vnode, Kozla Ventures, and Andreessen Horowitz. And then uh, series C was Blockchain Capital, and and again, Andreessen Horowitz. So um, at, at some point, it got much easier.
0: And I, I know we've talked about this in the intro, but I kind of just want to get to, like, the crux of this is, like, why even create WorldCoin? Why do we even need this? Like, I have Face ID. I have my government ID. I have user logins. Why now is, why is this so important to you?
1: Yeah, so the initial idea was actually motivated by two fundamental things. So the, the, the first pitch I heard about WorldCoin was, okay, AGI is going to happen, and it's going to change everything and at a pretty fundamental level. And we will need societal infrastructure to react to that. And I will get back to that, what that actually means. And two, crypto is somehow around since so many years now, but somehow it doesn't, it doesn't break out. Like somehow there's no matter who you ask, there's like somewhere between 50 to 150 million users and somehow things move relatively slow. So the idea was like, okay, what if actually it's fundamentally about creating a large network and, and, and getting to network effects? And what if all that matters is getting to a billion people and getting to a sufficiently high density? How would we do that? So the idea was simple. What if we would launch something like Bitcoin, but with not incentive alignment around compute and security, but incentive alignment around scale in terms of real human beings that actually joined a network? Uh, because that, these are billions of dollars. There's a billions of dollars spent every year to secure Bitcoin. We've never seen anything like that, and we've never tried anything like that because we could not, because we didn't have something as simple as verifying humanness on the internet. So scale was a very fundamental part of the, of the idea. And the other one, which is kind of amazing and it played out like this in that timeline, was that verifying humanness on the internet is going to be a pretty fundamental thing. It's going to go from right now we need to verify that something is fake, we will need to verify that something is real in probably the next, in the next five years. And verifying that we are actually human beings is a pretty basic piece of that. And um, Twitter acts, I think, shows you that really well, right? Elon talks about the bots there, and, but that's only the beginning. It's kind of the internet is going to change quite drastically. And so those two things brought together create the largest financial network by aligning and around scale and building a fundamental building block for the internet proof of personhood should turn out to be very important.
0: I want to talk to you a little bit about the orb. I know they have them over there. If any of you want to scan your irises, this is not me pitching it. I'm just, you know, stating there's an orb over there. But why create that kind of object? Why create it to look like that? And how do you kind of see it evolving over time, maybe to a less futuristic sci-fi look? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so the first question is, like, why to do that at all? Like, why do you need a separate hardware device and... Like, that sounds pretty complicated, distributing it around the world, getting it in every country. The, the answer is actually pretty, pretty fundamental and pretty easy to explain. Is um, All the things that you use normally, your face ID or all of these uh, other systems, a fingerprint scanner at the, at the door, they verify that you're the same person again. So this is, again, Alex signing up to a service. But if we want to verify humanness to the Internet fundamentally, we need to verify that I'm yet another person to join the network. So it goes from one to one to one to many. And you can just simply draw Kind of on x-axis, you can draw error rate, and you can draw all the different things we could, we could use. We could use face ID, we could use uh, just pictures, we could use fingerprint. Most of these things will break at tens of millions, just mathematically. The error rate explodes. And the thing that actually works is, is the eye. Uh, that's why many governments are using it. And it was a pretty tough inside back then. We like it, it were four people. We were not eager to ship hardware devices around the world and roll them out. So this was not like a fun decision or something we actually wanted to do. In fact, we pushed so hard against that for, for months. But we, we built prototypes for pretty much everything else you could imagine and just couldn't figure it out. And so that's why the Orb exists. I think it's just like for first principle reasoning, the only way we can solve this problem at a billion people scale. And then the design actually predates me. So when, when, it, when I came... It was already all right. It should be a, should be a Chrome orb. And uh, <laughs> so that's why it looks very futuristic. Actually, Sam's first comment in one of the first meetings was the biggest risk about this is that no one cares. Uh, I think that, that definitely helped. So um, people care. And uh, the next iterations will look quite different. We will have devices that are not cold orb. They will have different form factors. They will look much more friendly. So, it's it's going to happen. Actually this was a prototype. We didn't want to launch with that, but then also launch fast.
0: Okay. Well, see when would that happen? Like those next devices.
1: First half of the year.
0: This year. Okay. We will have to check that out. Um I want to talk to you a little bit about the massive rise of AI. Everyone's talking about it 24/7 more than they talk about crypto, which doesn't help me, but that's fine. Obviously WorldCoin has a tie to AI with Sam Altman. Your own project has, in its own sense, that too. How does the rise in AI affect the way the project is going, and where do you see it evolving with deep fakes and other things going on?
1: I mean, it was part of the fundamental thesis four years ago. It just, now it, it is actually happening. Well, personally, one of the coolest experiences about all of this is that working on something with such a long time horizon is nothing you usually can do as a founder, right? It's like starting a project with, okay, we're going to now work on this technology and it's probably going to get important somewhere in the next five to 10 years. And if it gets, it's just going to become one of the biggest things ever. That's nothing you can usually do straight out of university. So yeah, I think AI is going to keep accelerating and many other things. Like, I mean, obviously world will accelerate too. So hopefully we can catch up with that.
0: And WorldCoin has about 3 million people signed up, which is not a nominal number by any means. And that's since July. But when do you think it will have its own like chat GPT moment, so to speak?
1: I don't know. I mean, the OpenAI team didn't predict the chat GPT moment. So it's really hard. I do think it's going to be a big year for us in in many ways. 3 million is is big for crypto, maybe, but it's not at all big for what we try to do. Um, So this is the very, very early beginnings. Try to get to tens of millions really fast.
0: But what do you think it would be that would drive that explosion of interest?
1: There's a couple things. I think one actually might be the elections this year. This whole idea of, of bots on the internet, like it's still relatively abstract, but I think as it gets to the core of democracy, uh, it's, it's suddenly going to accelerate from a kind of a little problem to something that is of societal importance. And I think there's eight elections happening this year, so... If there's one year, but this will happen, I think that's the year. And I think it's a genuine threat. I don't think it's, it's made up in any means. So that might be it. Well, I think probably markets are going to pick up. And so the, the financial piece of, of this whole project will probably accelerate quite a bit. But that will also help. And then the other thing is just build products that actually help and are useful. And so we have pretty packed product pipeline and integration pipeline over the coming months. And it's hard to predict which of these will pick up how much, but it's, it's going to be exciting for sure.
0: On the note about elections, have you been in talks with the U.S. government or any government for that matter about kind of implementing a world ID to better prove that you're the one voting?
1: Well, one of the things about this project that is so weird is that because of like I mean, obviously because Sam is involved and there's like so much PR around it, we talk to essentially every government we touch. And, and so, yes, we, we, we have spoken to many governments and also the kind of really the high-level government of Asian countries, African countries, European countries. And, of course, AI is top of mind for everyone.
0: I guess, what do the governments want or don't want from you guys?
1: Well, actually, what, what we just spoke about in terms of elections, that is very much top of mind for everyone. Like, how will AI affect elections? This, is, this was actually genuinely surprising. Another thing that I guess is not as surprising is that every government has a different stance on crypto. So a large part of the conversation just involves, okay, like, how should we view crypto? How should we behave? How should regulation look like? And many governments are open to that. Others are really hostile. Others are embracing it. So that was also just generally very interesting is to hear from decision makers how they view that whole space evolving. And otherwise, it's just a lot of explanation. I mean, this project is straight out of a sci-fi movie somewhat. And it's like explaining what it is takes time. And I think that's probably 80% of the effort. Okay,
0: I want to shift back to the venture interest. We talked a little bit about that before. I think you said you raised over $350 million. 250.
1: $250
0: million, which is still a lot of money, especially during a crypto bear market, as you mentioned. What do your venture backers expect when it comes to returns along a timeline? Do they expect a normal timeline, extended timeline? Because this is new technology. I'm curious what those conversations are like?
1: Well, I mean, we have, have so many investors that I think the expectation of each of them is very different. I think someone like VNode from, from Kozla or uh, someone like Andreessen Horowitz, Chris Dixon, I think the timelines are very, very long, right? These are, I mean, especially VNode is a deep tech investor and is very much prepared for this to take 10 years. And I think that was that was good. I mean, the other important statement is that Return-wise, it already was a very good investment. <laughs> so I think everyone is pretty happy for now. And then, of course, what was interesting about the Worldcoin fundraiser Fundraise is that I think we bridged between very crypto investors and very, like, Andreessen Horowitz, Kozla Ventures are, like, very classical Silicon Valley investors. And it was very interesting as a founder to experience how different these cultures are. So yeah I, I could I could tell long stories about all that, but yeah
0: yeah, there's a lot to say about the two categories for sure. On that note, how are you like making money? I know that's so blunt and direct, but like, what are you doing to generate revenue and essentially, hopefully become cash flow positive?
1: I mean, since the token launch, we have a pretty heavy balance sheet, so we have quite some time to figure it out. The thesis is very simple. We race towards billions of users as fast as we possibly can. And we have not seen that in crypto. It just doesn't exist. There is many ways to capitalize it on when we get there. Right? It's like, of course, identities are very valuable. Financial networks are very valuable. So we have very detailed answers that I don't want to get into here. But um, the timelines are very long. I think we talk about 10 years, probably.
0: 10 years for it to be cash flow positive. All right. Cool. And obviously the name Tools for Humanity is Tools for Humanity. So I want to ask you about what other tools are you working on? What's in the pipeline?
1: You you will have to wait.
0: Um, you got to share something with the class. Come on.
1: <laughs> well, a new Orb is coming. I think that's going to be cool and it's going to look again, it's it's just so funny. It's like here in the US people are just so obsessed with this design of the Orb like they either hate it or they love it. And so the next orb is going to look way tuned down. It's going to look like an, like, a, like an Apple product and actually has Apple roots. So much more friendly. We've heard it. I think that that, that is a big one. The whole technology stack. Oh, actually, the, the important one is 80% on the engineering resources is actually in decentralization. So we have 180 people and over half of that are engineers and over half of that are researchers. The main focus is really to decentralize this whole technology stack because we think... If it turns out to be as successful as we think and as important as we think, being the entity that sits in the middle of all of that is going to be very dangerous. So we try to get out of there as fast as we can.
0: Okay. And to wrap things up, Alex, my last question is, what do you think are some opportunities that have not been explored yet for the World ID going forward?
1: I don't think there's been anything explored.
0: <laughs> well, you got the partnerships with, you know, Reddit, Minecraft, Telegram. You've got the digital passport. What else do you think is out there that's Top of
1: mind. I, I don't want to be overly self-critical, but I don't think we, we see any major usage yet compared to what I th- expect will happen in the next two to three years. I think one of the major things to look forward to is actually, I think as, as, as soon as I see the first company raising money, building on top of that infrastructure, I think that's going to be an important moment because you actually want to see builders using that new primitive. So I think that's going to be the coolest thing for the year.
0: Excited to see what happens. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone else, for listening in. We'll be back next week with conversations around what's going on in the wild world of Web3 with top players in the crypto ecosystem. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and stories we talked about can be found in our show notes be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Jacqueline Melanick, and produced by Maggie Stamets, with assistance from Yashad Kulkarni and editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and Henry Picovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks for listening in. See you next time.